0: people want to work around smart friendly good quality people and that's important no matter what level you're at if you're junior then you're going to have better people to learn off you can really speed up and accelerate your learning curve you know if you're senior then you've got good people that you can work with knowledge share maybe start to pick up other skills that are important as you develop your career which could even be you know say learning from someone who's you know, at the executive or leadership levels around soft skills for influencing, you know, other stakeholders and whatnot. I think the other thing that I see in happy teams is accuracy in what they were hired for. So if we're talking about retention, let's be honest, we just want to retain the best people, not everyone. So the best people are always going to be attracted to impactful work. I wanted to say a big thank you to our sponsors, Talent
1: Insights. Talent Insights are Australia's leading data specialist recruitment business. They are experts in recruitment strategy and delivery for analytics and data teams. They are the go-to recruitment business for all your data roles in Australia, and they can help both with permanent hires and short-term project-focused data resources. I've used Talent Insights in the past, and I've always found them fantastic to work with. Visit them at talentinsights.com.au introducing an exclusive new webinar series on advancing AI. It's available only online. It won't be released through the podcast, but you can join live to these webinars. So join us over breakfast from February to April by signing up in the link in the show notes. We will be interviewing leaders in the data and AI space. They will guide you through the hype and maze of technology to achieve the business transformation we all want from AI. Whether you're looking to leverage AI to optimize the customer experience or to improve your business operations, this series underpins the core elements crucial to your company's AI strategy. Featuring guests from around the globe, including people from companies like NAB, Finnair, Woodside, etc. Check out the schedule, sign up through the link in the show notes or visit datafuturology.com for more information. I'm super excited to bring you this new series. Hope to see you there. Hi, this is Felipe Flores. Welcome to another episode of Data Futurology. In Data Futurology, we discuss leadership and strategy tips for people at work in machine learning, AI, and data science. We speak with global executives, and we tackle the issues that are going to make a difference at your work, in your careers, for your teams. And today, specifically, we will be talking about teams. We're focusing on hiring, on retention, on creating quality teams, getting executive support, what does good leadership look like? And for that, we got two very, very special guests. We have Calvin, who joins us from Equifax. Calvin, how are you doing today?
2: Good. Good thanks. How are you?
1: Yeah, very good. And you are um, head of data quality and linking at Equifax, which is amazing. And we've got Patrick Choi. Patrick is a senior consultant with Talent Insights Group. We are uh, very, very happy to have Talent Insights as one of our sponsors and also, you know, a company that's really present in the in the data science community and helping so many people to advance their careers. But also, I've noticed that talent gives people the assistance and the guidance uh, when people need it throughout the whole journey. Uh, and that's for... For junior people, but also for leaders, and it's definitely an assistant that um, that I've sought out during my career too. Patrick, great to have you on the show. How are you doing today?
0: Thanks, Felipe. Yeah, really good. Really excited for for the
1: chat. Same, same here. So, um, lads, I thought we we might. Um, Kick off by uh, maybe jumping into into COVID first, and I wanted to ask you, you know, with with COVID, how how has things changed? What what changes have you seen in the um, in the data science workforce uh, in in terms of hiring, in terms of um, employment and retention? What what type of things have you seen um, with with COVID during the pandemic and obviously the, the rise of, of remote working?
2: Yeah, I think um, COVID has been surprisingly pleasant for, for I guess, uh, our field in general. Um, not making any generalizations, but uh, we tend to want to work in weird hours, well, not weird hours, but uh, be more flexible in the way we work. like nothing's worse than setting off something to run and then going, well, I I have nothing else to do. Um, But in all honesty, I think it has made that full shift into remote working mainstream. Mm -hmm. And whereas previously, especially for those who work in multinational companies, you find yourselves uh, working really long hours and dialing in to morning and evening calls um, and then trying to trudging to work for the, for the middle of the day, that's made it a lot more flexible, uh, especially for myself. Um, my teams have enjoyed the flexibility of being able to work in their own home setups, um, be able to set things, um, going and then kind of move between different tasks. Like it might be a chore. You might just be taking a walk outside to think a little bit more about the problem. Um, productivity overall seem to have improved um, with also the flexible working as well. So um, I'm, I'm loving it. I think my team's loving it as well.
1: Yeah, no, I think it definitely uh, suits, suits people from, um, you know, from our industry and our background to have uh, dedicated time to do, to dive deeply into problems and, and solve them with, uh, by minimizing interruptions. So I think, I think from that side, definitely, um, uh, I agree. How about from your perspective, Patrick? How, how have you seen uh, things change through, through COVID and more remote work now?
0: Yeah, look, I, I agree with Calvin. I think it's it's definitely, um, you know, definitely not negative. And in some cases, it's, it's been quite positive. So we saw some short-term impacts kind of, you know, right, right at the outset uh, last year, early on. But many teams have really thrived in switching to remote, um, we saw a little bit of a change in terms of permanent versus contract hiring. Um, so those those kind of talent markets for data have, have been a little bit affected, but we're, we've seen a strong rebound in the last, you know, honestly, four to five months. And yeah, this, this year is already off to a good start. I think the general trajectory of companies wanting more talent, having that appetite for people in analytics and data, you know, continues to grow. So yeah, it's, it's uh, not all negative. I think it's a good time uh, you know, to be in this space. Yeah, and completely agree. Sorry, Calvin, here you go.
2: I want to ask Pat, because um, anecdotally, we're getting more applicants from regional areas in, in the country, whereas previously, because we're so centered around the CBD, we've been really getting people applying from, from those who can access the rail networks and things like that. But now we're getting a, a greater breadth and diversity especially from people who have decided to do the sea change and they've been working like us at their own cafe for a few years and they've decided to come back. Uh, Do you see that? Do you see like a broader pool of applicants coming through?
0: Yeah. um, It's, it's been fantastic. I think um, we haven't seen kind of anything go as far as lots of Australian companies open themselves up to say international workers but, yeah, a lot more um, kind of, you know, cross-border hires, which is, which is great. And I've seen a really positive reaction from some of my clients. Um, you know, most of them, it would include people who are now kind of, you know, maybe um, in regional areas and commuting was a really big factor for them in the past, and now it's not so much. And it's also just opened up talent pools. So, for example, a lot of our Sydney clients you know, we've, I've been placing in people from Melbourne and uh, Queensland who then might be kind of starting off work remote. Um, maybe the, the full extent of their work is going to be remote or they might have a really flexible, loose plan to potentially relocate, you know, in a few months. Um, and that all would have been, you know, very foreign, very difficult or tricky or put in the too hard basket, you know, one year ago. So I think it's been really positive, you know, opening up, the available options to really kind of nail both the technical fit and the cultural fit, which is super important.
1: So, do you think overall are things getting easier for hiring managers, being able to um, tap into bigger pools and be able to leverage remote work, or does it mean that you know competition is is tougher? Um, how? Yeah, what what do you think from from that side? Um, maybe maybe we'll start with Calvin.
2: Let me just break that into two parts. Um, like, I think as we exit COVID um, and business appetite and confidence is stronger, we're getting the ability to hire a lot more. So we, we uh, I think we went through a phase where during the uncertainty, we had like a lot of companies that hiring freezes. And now we are coming out on the other side, we see a lot of the roles open up, even within my teams. Um, and then there's another... Um, strange. Or another consequence of COVID is that a lot of people took that time to upskill, um, and and for the better or worse, there's now a much larger pool of both experienced and and fresh uh, candidates coming out of university. They've taken the last year to to brush up or go do online courses. So it, it's been really pleasing to see a much broader divergent pool. Um, We now have people who've decided to, yeah, you know what, like during COVID, I'm going to make a change from a traditional engineering discipline into machine learning or data science. And they bring a very um, different mindset and they bring a very rich um, approach to what we do. And it's been really good for us. Um, More competition to answer your question, but the competition has just come from different parts. Whereas before COVID, it was just a largely for the same streams
1: yeah very true I definitely agree with um you know with you and I definitely have seen the upskilling I've seen a lot of a lot of data scientists go through cloud certifications during during covid yeah. uh, that's been that's been really great to see and um, obviously that that uh, that will lead into more uh, organizations being able to take machine learning um, machine learning models into production and be able to scale them and, and effectively I think um, and for, yeah, for them to work effectively at scale. So that that I think is something that I'm excited about what's coming sort of as a, as a result of the upskilling in, in COVID. Um, and Patrick, from, from your perspective, um, thinking about these, you know, larger pools, more competition, what can people do to set themselves apart from from the competition when they're going for a role, uh, what are the type of tips that you have for them uh, when either thinking about a new role or going through a recruitment um, in the process? How, how can people uh, um, stand apart and, and sell themselves up uh, for success?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. From, from the uh, kind of talent seeker or a data scientist perspective or a data science manager, perhaps, um, yeah, I, I think... You know, the, you're you're right. You touched on one of the major trends when you just mentioned a lot of people moving to the cloud and uh, having a better ability to uh, kind of implement and build out solutions in production. And and that's you know something that we're we're really in touch with, and and that's a lot of my my kind of day-to-day job with my specific clients. Um, so I think, yeah, you you should be focusing on what you've delivered and the business impact. I think you know, the the fact is, even though I'm kind of obviously recruitment's my day job, um, the system isn't perfect. So there's still a really large bias towards people who can communicate what they've done in a technical sense for previous companies. And, you know, one of the really good things about data science and the analytics field that we're in is that there's a lot of transferability. So, you know, being able to effectively demonstrate or communicate what you've done in the past, what you're doing currently, and how that might be beneficial or impactful for your next company, who could be in a different domain, um, is really critical. You know, that's something that we work with a lot of people on in terms of, okay, you know, if you've been, say, working in banking, doing data science, you know, how would you then take that next step if you're trying to move into a different domain, work with different data sets, different stakeholders, you know, but what are the common elements? How can, we, how can we kind of get that across to your new leader? Um, how can you kick those career goals that you're looking to do? Um, but yeah, communication is key. Thinking and, and putting your shoes on are, or kind of the shoes of your potential audience. So, understanding what might be some of their pain points. What do I know about their world? Um, mm. And again, how can I really add value to, to them or that organization?
1: Oh man, a hundred percent, a hundred percent agree. Um, so yeah, that's definitely when when I interview people, that's things that I look for uh, the communication aspect and and I often ask um, to your second point. I often ask, "What do you know about this company? Um, what do we do? What type of customers do we serve? Are we in the business to business game or are we business to consumer? Tell me, tell me a little bit. Uh, so that that is yeah critical." Um, Calvin, how about from your perspective? What what do you look for? Um, do you look for, uh, what do you look for when you're hiring people and do you look for different things when people are sort of junior, senior, manager level? Uh, what what type of tips do you have?
2: I think to Pat's point, the, the ability to communicate what you've done in the past um, and then gener- to generalize that to a problem or to an approach is it's probably the first thing I look for. Um, there's... And that really varies depending on your seniority, of course. But overall, being able to say, I, I recognize this problem. I, I'm able to break it down into these components. And this is the approach I've taken. Um, these were the results, whether they're good or bad. Um, they're both just as good. Like um, proving the nut, the other side is just as good as proving the the positive side. And then being able to Okay, this is the commercial outcome. This is where it fit in the picture. Yes, you know, so I think. Um, in a lot of interviews um, people focus on the technical execution uh, equally important but less it, it provides less of a point of differentiation across talent um, I think right now a lot of people know the same techniques They, when you talk for a one-hour interview you're not going to be going well how do you really tweak that algorithm how do you Um, you're just going to be talking about that. I use this algorithm in this context. Um, So it provides, if you're able to demonstrate that you've achieved a commercial outcome or you've tied it to a commercial outcome um, to something that's more tangible to hiring managers, then um, that's key. And a more junior level, I mean, really focused on things that you can do yourself, Um, like working through extra, I call it extracurricular, like, Kaggles or working through problems that give you some hands on experience on not just working through the agro- uh, working through the techniques but failing and then working through te- um, how to solve that um, and to overcome failure mm-hmm. that is just as just as important um, the other trend I see are people really attaching the GitHubs uh, to their resumes and that's another way of just demonstrating projects or a little Little um, experiences that are different, uh, realistically, unless you're given like a a short blurb on your project and you talked us through it, we're not really going to look through your GitHub. Um, but they they often do help um, help us differentiate between those who have the drive and motivation to solve a broader problem than those those who kind of just said, "Look, this is what I know, this is what I can do." Uh, in just that narrow context.
1: Yeah, right. No, it, it totally, it totally makes sense, and I love, I love the fact of, uh, you know, having a, a portfolio of work that you can show. It really de-risks that decision for the for the hiring manager. Um, I love that. You, yeah, yeah. You, that you mentioned the extracurricular activities. Um, Kaggle obviously, really great. Personal projects, really great. And um, in the in the past, in the podcast, uh, we interviewed. Um, uh, a guy called Ru uh, Mitra who runs a, a not-for-profit called Ondena, That's O M D N A, and they um, they solve humanitarian problems uh, for for countries and, and and governments essentially with by um, d- with a decentralized data science team. So people volunteer some of their time to help. You know, look look into like child trafficking, for example, and start, try to predict when where it's happening and and, and how we can avoid it. Um, so things things like that definitely are uh, great to uh, for people to give back, dip their toe in the water, learn some skills, work some with, work with others, but also build up their portfolio so they can um, you know advance advance their career. Awesome, 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 awesome tips and. I wanted to to ask you ask you both and maybe we'll start with patrick um, what what have you seen that um, this time has done for the ten years of of people in in data science roles is it um is it something that is you know staying stable shrinking growing over time and and have you um uh, because you have such a broad market visibility, are there pockets where there is um, higher tenure than than in other areas? what What type of things have you seen on that front?
0: Yeah, well, I, I think um i'll I'll give the really honest and hopefully not too controversial answer. Um, I think that in some cases, tenure has been inflated a little bit during Covid. Um, you know, I know personally I've had so many conversations with people who actually were looking to move jobs mm-hmm. uh, you know back in January last year. Um, 2020, and they've they've stayed, um, you know, in their roles a little bit longer. They've been very appreciative of, of being in that situation. Um, but we we probably have seen, yeah, some some people actually, particularly in senior data science roles um, or leadership levels, where the market is smaller, less of those positions become available. Actually, staying a little bit longer. Um, but the overall tenure, you know, over the last five six years, you know, is is typically only between about 12 to 24 months for Mm. for data scientists, experienced data scientists. So there is a lot of transition. There's a higher attrition and churn rate than, you know, some other industries and professions. Um, But yeah, no, we've we've also kind of, I'd say that there's been a big shift towards contracting from permanent uh, kind of recruitment and hires over the last two to three years. Um, So if you were kind of, you know, not, not discriminating between and, yeah, the, the average tenure is not, is not uh, you know, incredibly long. But COVID's impact is, you know, in some ways for the permanent market actually made that a little bit stretched out. So, yeah, we'll see if that keeps up. I think, you know, we're, we're seeing some signs of market activity people now who are a bit more comfortable. Lots more companies are, are kind of back in terms of hiring, investment in data projects. So we're, we're seeing, you know, a fair bit of activity now.
1: Yeah, definitely, and it really um it really leverages um, or is driven maybe by your previous your previous point where you said that these skills are so transferable um and that and that people do seek sort of new challenges. So I can understand that the um yeah the, the market generally has a lot of activity and there is a lot of a lot of movement. Uh, Calvin, from your perspective, how do you uh, look at ten years? What do you think of a ten year of you know average t- ten year of twelve to twenty four months? Um, And and yeah, what do you what do you think when you see CVs like that?
2: I think it's an interesting number because I think overall in the industry we see twelve to twenty four months, but uh, I guess in most organisations we see we see data scientists really coming to terms with the overall business problem around like six to nine months. So they truly they really come to the fore at twelve. They're well embedded within the organization. They've got a reputation they can execute. So I guess for, from my point of view, uh, the number is, is up disappointingly low. We like to see people who have stayed in organization and advanced and built and solved it with, um, with about two to three years of, of experience. Um, that said, everyone's circumstances are different with the market being what it has been for the last couple of years, there's so many hits and misses, right? You might join a company and realize that it is data science by name, but BI by night, you know? Um, so I can totally understand where, where case in cases where people have moved. Um, there's also uh, a lot of great talent who have moved, you know, within two years that have gone to solve different problems. They have found their niche, they found what they loved, and they just, they've picked the path. Um, so if I had to go the other way, like hiring-wise, um, probably a year is a little bit suspicious. It, it is on the low end of the, of the curve. Um, two years is, is all right. And, and that we do really pay a lot of attention to those who have stayed around free uh, because we generally, um, if you work the other way, they tend to have uh, deeper uh, examples to talk to and mm. a richer yeah. experience to talk to.
1: Yes. Yes. I, I completely agree. I think that um, I found that, with, with my teams and even with myself I've, I've found that I, it takes it takes about a year to as you said to get the recognition within the company to prove yourself and to um, gain enough knowledge about how the company works and, the, and and the domain knowledge so you can apply and solve the, the difficult problems. Um, from then on I found that the more domain knowledge you have, the more you can contextualize data science to make a difference in that in that organization. Um, and I've noticed that with some of my longer tenures in jobs, um, it is it is something that that I I also um, value in terms of having that, that longer tenure. But I definitely uh, understand, yeah, as you said, people's circumstances are are um, completely different, and the um, the pressure in the market is that you know, with as Patrick said, with such transferable and high and highly valuable skills, they uh, they're. they're um, there can seem like there's always greener pastures and people feel like they might be missing missing out on that. Um, and then what I wanted to jump into is, um, and I'll ask um, uh, Patrick first, actually, it, it's uh, about the comment that you made, Calvin, where the label says data science, but the work... Being done is not is not data science, and I think that that's definitely something that that leads to uh, to attrition and retention problems, and and even the the employee morale. Um, so, Patrick, from from your perspective. Um, how how prevalent is is that, the fact that people might be, you know, hired to to perform data science, hired as a data scientist, data science manager, but then the, the expectation and the maturity is all around um, maybe lower areas of the maturity curve, not in data science. What have you, what have you seen?
0: Yeah, I think, uh, sadly, that is... Incredibly common. So I think I've had a lot of conversations with people before where you know we we're having a conversation. They're they're telling me a bit more about you know why they might be in the market, and that that pops up so often. And you know I think it can be reassuring sometimes for them to hear from me that it does happen to a lot of other teams, a lot of other professionals, and people in the data space. Um, and and you know that that probably was you know I guess if if I had to identify the biggest reason that people do leave jobs um, in this space, it's because of that. And I don't think companies are necessarily um, malicious or purposefully misleading um, data scientists, but I think that there's a lot of ambiguity in the market. And I also think one of the biggest problems is that companies in this space don't always have a good handle on exactly where they sit in that data maturity curve, uh, or compared to, to the market? Because people aren't active in sharing, you know, hey, we've built out this recommendation engine, which is kind of delivering us an advantage over our competitors. Um, you know, there's a lot of FOMO um, and there, there definitely is a lot of kind of grass is always greener um, in this space.
2: Mm. I think there's there's the other side, of course. Like a lot of companies do set out on the, on the analytics slash data science journey and thinking, they start thinking, well, we need experienced staff to start this journey. They're thinking about a horizon of about three, four years to that maturity curve. Um, And then they're hiring with that mindset and they, they want to get the right people in first. And then on the other side, those who come in have to kind of change the expectations a bit and recognize that it is very much green fields and be if the company is open with the fact that this is green fields, you're going to be doing a lot of a lot of the basic work and you're going to be building this, the debt, the assets, the processes, and, and the business culture along the way, that can be exciting for some people. Like I personally find that really, really fun. Like starting from, from nothing and building it to something that is used by the company. And, um, being able to just identify which part of the maturity curve that you're joining is very important. Um, and then also managing your expectations. Like, yes, it's great to join a company with everything set up, but it's for some, it might be just as exciting to be able to pick your right technologies, pick your approaches and pick the, the way the company uses their asset. So, um, like I'm kind of sitting on the fence because we, I've seen, I've been in that situation where I've gone, oh no, this is not really the thing for me. Yeah. But at the same time, I find myself sitting in the exact same situation with a different organization and going, oh, this is really exciting. Let's go build it out. Um, like, we, I can definitely see a future. So, if there's something that ties those two together, it's just uh, the factor that determines it is how well your leader or your leadership understands what you're trying to do. And if there is a vision there, then. <laughs> I mean, the, the two identical scenarios would just have a very different outcome. Yeah. Yes,
1: but I think it's it's such a good point that
2: to um, when you
1: go into a company that is uh, less mature in this space and that it does need to be built up, um, the um, I guess the 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 negative that a lot of people see is that the majority of the work is not data science work, and that they want to be want they they want to be doing data science work. Um, but I, I, yeah, I really want to ask you, Calvin. Like, why, why do you enjoy it? Um, and 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 from my perspective, I'm uh, quite similar to you. I do like um, going into greenfield areas, standing up, and and creating, as you said, like the the assets and making it scalable and reusable for for the business. Um, and that requires uh, a broader and more generalist uh, skill set, uh, which, which um, obviously not, not everyone is going, is going to find that attractive. But uh, for you, in your case, uh, why, why do you like um, taking on that challenge and, and helping uh, grow the maturity of the organization, even if that means there's kind of like less data science work and more other type of work?
2: Yeah, um, for me at the very core, I, I like. Solving new problems, um, and then because generally there is existing areas where data science is not very mature, it comes as part of the package. Like uh, you go into, I think when we started with um, when I started at Quantium, uh, bank transaction data, no one was really touching it, and. To make that work, to demonstrate that you have to have the that skill or the patience to build that out from scratch, not just in terms of the technical side, but also the the general understanding uh, across, the, across your customers. Um, building that is it's started off as you have to do it, but you have to do it just so that you can do your analysis at the end. Um, but then as you learn and as techniques evolve, you can go, well there's new ways of building that foundation. You can bring data science techniques back in, uh, you can automate, you can uh, build better foundations there using data science techniques. So rather than focusing on using predictive models for the end goal, you can use uh, machine learning and AI to to facilitate the building of your foundations. Um, So for me, that became really interesting because that is always new we're going into new new sectors and new industries where uh, you can bring the latest and greatest uh, and start something new uh, as opposed to, I guess the other side, which is something's already built for you. It's ready. And you are kind of focusing on a slightly more, I guess a well-defined path. Um, and I guess that's just my personal um, opinion. I would just like, going into new areas and building that out i guess if you wrap it um there's just different business problems to solve in new new green fields rather than established fields yeah
1: yes definitely definitely and um i i do think that it, it takes that um that a slightly different skill set to to be able to have you know the um, the communication skills to be able to get the buy-in and take the organization uh, on the on the journey and be able to create the the change of going from from zero to one essentially of bringing in something new in the organization uh, and and yeah and it's it's different to as you were saying when it's set up and it's it's about improving a particular um, algorithm or something that has been built before and and uh, you know we uh, a lot of people know that in and I've, I've had people like this on the on the podcast there's people at Facebook where there's a team of you know five or ten people that their whole job is to improve one algorithm or sometimes like one part of an algorithm and that's what they do years on end full-time um, obviously like trying to um, bring in like new techniques and new improvements and et cetera. But the, that, that skill set is obviously quite different from what we're talking about of, of building something new in an organization and developing that capability. Um, so definitely a, a bit of self-awareness um, helps in and in, in identifying your own strengths will help guide where, um, where to go. So I wanted to, to ask you guys, ask you both about what makes a, a happy team? And what what keeps employees motivated, engaged, productive? And um, I'll I'll start with with Patrick. And uh, definitely with with Patrick, you would be you'd be mostly hearing the um, the mirror image of that. Uh, mostly hearing the same people uh, people saying, I, "I want to leave this job because they don't have." x y and z um so any thoughts around that uh, yeah would be would be great and then i'll throw to to calvin for, for the same and and how essentially how we can help create better data science teams that are happy and productive um how, how is it from your perspective patrick what do you think
0: yeah look um i do i do probably hear a bit more of the the uh polar uh, kind of opposite side in terms of why people are leaving. But um, equally, you know, I talk to a lot of managers who, who are running high-performance teams. And um, if I kind of synthesize that that uh, feedback, um, I think the quality of the people that you've got is, is the easiest kind of uh, number one thing to target. You know, just people want to work around smart, friendly, good quality people. And that's important no matter what level you're at. If you're junior, then you're going to have better people to learn off. You can really speed up and accelerate your learning curve. You know, if you're senior, then you've got good people that you can work with, knowledge share, maybe start to pick up other skills that are important as you develop your career, which could even be, you know, say learning from someone who's, you know, at the executive or leadership levels around soft skills for influencing, you know, other stakeholders and whatnot. I think the other thing that I see in happy teams is, accuracy in what they were hired for. So if we're talking about retention, let's be honest, we just want to retain the best people, not everyone. So the best people are always going to be attracted to impactful work. Um, You know, I don't necessarily headhunt or specialize in pure research or academic data roles. So for us, that really means, can you be Involved in building out something which is going to get used—is it uh, either a data commercialization play? Are you actually involved in building out products and artifacts? Are you building out models which are going to impact how a marketing team, you know, invests millions of dollars a week uh, in an automated and more intelligent fashion? So I think that that impact—it's it's the quality of the team, um, you know, and also the the work. Those would be my two key factors for, for kind of longevity, I think.
2: Yeah. I think making an impact yeah. is like number one, being able to say I serve a purpose, you know, it just keeps reminding me of that robot from Rick and Morty goes, what's my purpose to pass the butter? Like, yes. Like no one wants to be that robot. And, you know, after you sort out the impact and that they can see that there is, there is, they, they are moving or contributing to a greater goal. Um it just makes such such a great difference in terms of their attitude um, and in terms of just the motivation that they have and the ability for them to see their efforts reflected in something uh, whether it's a product an algorithm or a better recommendation or whether it's just a financial number like it, there is something there uh, i guess the converse is um what i found it what makes a happy team is the ability to create an impact on their own own world like no their ability is to look at the, the things that they are doing day to day and it, be able to improve on it uh, no one wants to follow um, a set of steps day in day out they, even if that makes a great impact they want to be go well if i see an improvement to it i want to be able to make a change to it so one of the the core principles for the teams that I I have is like change your own destiny. If you see something that is that's worth changing, that will improve your life. We'll will support you in building that out because that will you clearly were unhappy with that, mm. or you see something better for that. So let's let's improve it and then we'll move you on to something else. Um, one of the best pieces of career advice I got when I was a graduate at Macquarie Bank was you should always aim to automate it or or make yourself redundant. Probably not in the I am lazy and then rock up to work way, but like how do you streamline what you do, how to improve what you do so that you're no longer part of the chain. And I, I still follow that uh, piece of advice after all these years. That's
1: an amazing one, man. I love it. I love it. Uh, definitely a great aim um, to make yourself redundant. and Because essentially it, it frees you up. For for more for different um, and and it does mean that you have to you know automate your your work and disseminate your knowledge which helps build up others and it means that you are uh, giving back throughout your your career um, I love the fact that both of you mentioned the the purpose uh, of the organization or or what the team is solving as a, as a key. As a key item, um, and uh, yeah, I definitely know that when I'm hiring, I, I do look for people who are tied to the the purpose and the mission that we're um, that the organization has, and, and what we're trying to the difference that we're trying to make as a team. It's something is something critical because getting that that buy in, it does make people feel proud and invested in their work, which is um, critical to to get there uh, to get the best out of them. I did want to ask you, um, ask you guys, yeah, well, a couple of things. But, but in terms of follow on from that, I do like that. As we said, purpose goes towards the top. What about, um, what about uh, things like latest tools, uh, having a, a center of excellence? Um, how do those, uh, or and, and as we we're talking about working with nice, good people, um, how does that compare to? Like the salary and the benefits and the more the more financial sides. Um, what are your thoughts? I'll start. I'll start with you, Calvin. And and um, I will point out that that um, you made you have a, a reputation for for being an awesome manager, uh, for being one of these like nice, smart, and visionary people. Um, that that uh, team. From what I hear, is that your team uh, or members of your team follow you from uh, when you move to to new organizations, and that that is really a testament of of the type of leader that you are. Um, so I'll I'll start by by throwing it over to you. How do you see the you know latest tools uh, working with nice smart people in in valuable problems with latest tools, having a center of innovation, people you can learn from. How does that weigh with? Um, with the salary, with the benefits that the organization might have, maybe with the reputation of the, of the company, uh, where, where, does that, where does that sit um, from your
2: perspective? So that's rather flattering. I think in terms of a happy team, no team, everyone, regardless of industries, wants to be working with the latest, latest practice, at least. Um, and I think in data science, because there are so, many, so much new technology coming through, Uh, on a daily basis. Uh, I can't remember how many different languages have gone past in in the last couple of years. Um, The importance is probably not, the emphasis is not on the latest and greatest, but the ability to access tools when you need them. Like uh, the ability to access the right Python packages or uh, a new, new piece of software that is appropriate to to the problem that you're trying to solve. Um, I think a lot of teams do feel constrained when technology says, no, I I never heard of that piece of software before, so please don't install that. Um, The tooling is always going to be there, regardless of happiness or not. And I think that's going to be something that you work through within the organized, within the constraints that you have to to work with because there's other considerations like security. Working with smart people, you cannot replace that. Like a high-performing team is a team that trusts each other, who learns from each other, and has a diverse set of skills and view, um, viewpoints. And I think one of the, like pretty much all my teams, I do encourage that they hire people of different backgrounds, um, not just hire actuaries or data science students, but go, go forth and find people from engineering from finance because they do bring a different perspective and i find that while they might not all think the same they come to conflict in terms of approach and opinion they all come out of it uh much richer for it Uh, i personally learned a lot uh, and i continue to learn a lot from people um, from different backgrounds and i think if i didn't have that and if you threw me into a Uh, my background is computer science but you threw me into a team of just pure computer scientists who all thought the same way I would get bored straight away. Yeah. Um, to your third point around salary, um, there's no escaping that people should be rewarded for the, for the contributions that they bring. Um, and, uh, while different organizations, uh, will have different financial circumstances, um, that ultimately, I think, is up to that the person, the individual's choice on how much they think they would trade off, um, maybe a happier financial situation to what they will learn. Um, I'm a big advocate of uh, ensuring that people are paid to the benchmark at least, um, and also um, rewarding them when they do when they do. Uh, exceed that and do well above it um i i'm i think there's a lot of companies that do trade on their brand names and then use that as a discount on their salary and i'm not a big fan uh, but yeah ultimately it's an individual cho- individual's choice Individual's choices but you have to trade off um yeah what well, you you get from it i took a pay cut when i left mac uh to to go to quantium um but then that's the choice I made and no, there's no regrets
1: yeah well that's great and now uh, yeah I, I hear you and I've, I've done that in in my career as well um like moving from financial services to healthcare for example which are where I am now also yeah took took a pay cut um and happy definitely worth worthwhile and um and in the past I worked in companies where they there was strong very strong pressure pressure to uh, as you said, trade on the brand name, and as a result, pay uh, pay people less. And and knowing that because the brand name was there, uh, they would they would have a large talent pool applying. Um, and yeah, I I, I always uh, fought that back because as, uh, because the yeah as similar with you, like we're so aligned. That it just didn't didn't sit right with me. Um, so yeah, no, I think it's good to to be fair on that front too. Um, Patrick, from your perspective, how does, how does the you know, tool set um, approaches um, and the brand, how does that compare to, to the, the financial benefits um, uh, or salary and benefits that an organization might, might um, be able to provide for, for people?
0: Yeah, um, I'll, I'll start off um, with kind of salary and the, the financials first, because I'm sure some of your audience are in leadership roles or they run their own data teams and maybe they're coming from a place where they don't have the biggest budgets. Um, so I think the first step I'd say is like, like Calvin, paying a good fair salary, at least a benchmark is important because you, you are gonna get what you pay for. Um, you know, there are great people. If you've got the right mission, the right work, the right culture, um you know who are potentially going to take pay cuts to come and join you but depending on how far that goes it will come back and bite you when it comes to retention and you know the the same thing with the brand that you guys were talking about i work with some you know really diverse companies from sexy startups to global software companies to big australian brands who all have their own benefits and employer brands but um you know at the end of the day when that person's in their job for six months, 12 months, and some of that shine has started to wear off a little bit, it's the work and the team that that counts. So salary, you know, is important. You should constantly be checking if you're a leader, um, making sure, um, you know, how has the market changed? And the prices and and salary, you know, permanent to contract markets, that is changing, you know, every few months. So you've got to stay uh, current and keep your finger on the pulse, I think, you know, to make sure that you're there. Um, you know, for your performance reviews, again, particularly with regard to your top performance, because good people are going to be getting calls you know almost every day, sometimes you know multiple calls a day with other people dangling carrots and opportunities. Um, how does it how does it stack up to kind of tools and technology? that's that's a funny one. I think you know, like Calvin said, um, you know I think maybe more the junior end of the market can be a little bit uh, you know, more attracted to kind of shiny objects and working with the latest and greatest. And that might um, be proportionately a bit more important to them. Um, but there, there does come a time where if you're trapped in a legacy world or if your company is too rigid and your team doesn't have the autonomy to use the types of techniques um, or experiment or use some tools which would really make sense, um, you know, that it's going to come back and hurt you. So again, I wouldn't put it as the number one factor that I, I talk to people about, um, you know, uh, why are they leaving or why would they go and join a company? But it, it will play a part. But the important thing to do, I think, would be to have some flexibility and some autonomy built in so that your team can make sensible choices, um, you know, and, and work with appropriate things. And if you think about the talent from their perspective, they don't want to work in a really niche, um, say technology and data stack with tools that in two years, if they lose their job, they're going to be unemployable. Um, you yeah. know, so again, we, we touched on it at the very beginning, a lot of people going through cloud certifications, rightly or wrongly, you know, that's something that a lot of companies are looking for now in data science talent, um, you know, so you, you do have to somewhat keep up with the market and at least offer those opportunities.
2: Yeah, I think the the desire to work with the latest and greatest is a symptom of the anxiety around like whether my skill set is going to be applicable in two years. And if there was any advice that I can give, it's just to like there is a core set of principles that you will learn, just like a programming language or the ability to query data. There's like the set of principles and all the technologies kind of just meet those needs at some point. Um, I think a lot of, I find a lot of people ask me, what are the tool sets that I use that I will recommend? And then they're a little bit shocked when I go, well, look, start off with, like python start off with any visualization software that allow you to do do x y and z like don't don't worry if it, you're not using the you know, the latest brand name visualization tool don't don't try to get certified on everything because those tools will disappear but the underlying principles will stay
1: would not agree agree more and uh i just um I just noticed a ton. I couldn't believe how, how quickly the hours flown by. But I think those are fantastic uh, pieces of advice and notes notes to end on um, that, yeah, for people to to think about um, – well, I hope that this conversation has helped people think more strategically about their their career and their career choices to understand how what makes a good team how to how to create happy happy teams what type of things to look for when looking to take your next step and I, I yeah I really thank you guys for taking the time to come and speak to us um, and to disseminate your knowledge so Pat Calvin uh, thank you so much thank you so much for your time. And um, definitely uh, for everyone listening, if you do need any any help with your career or any assistance in creating a great team, I highly recommend uh, reaching out to to Talent Insights. You heard a lot of the goal today. There's definitely more more there for you. Calvin and Pat, thank you so much. Talk to you guys soon.
2: Thanks, Alex.
1: Thanks, Felipe. Pleasure. That brings this episode to conclusion. Thank you so much for listening please find us on datafuturology.com or on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram as Data Futurology. Also go to datafuturology.com forward slash podcast to find the show notes for this and any other episodes. If you like this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it was helpful and valuable for you. Thanks again and see you next time.